0: 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, you've promised to send your spirit. Jesus, you've promised to send the comforter. And you've told us in your word many times over that where two or three are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus, there you are in our midst. And so we recognize and and we believe by faith that when we gather here in this room around this word, that you are here with us. And not just because you're everywhere and see everything, but you're with us as uh, our Lord You're with us as our Savior. You're with us relationally, Father. You invite us into your family. And so we want to thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that in your word, Jesus says that uh, if uh, a good father here on earth uh, will give good gifts to his children, then how much more will you give to us, the Holy Spirit, when we ask? So, Father, we're asking that you would send the Spirit in greater fullness, perhaps, than we have ever experienced in our lives. That you would empower us to confess Christ is Lord. That you would empower us to live under the Lordship of Christ by the power of your Spirit. That you would allow us to manifest the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this church, so that all the world might know that you are bringing all things to pass that you have promised in your word, that the time is now, that it's now time to wake up out of sleep and begin to live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because you are coming again. So, Father, we pray that as we examine your word that you you would send your spirit to us powerfully, Father. We also want to lift up those who are ministering in the power of the spirit today. Pastor Guy, as he ministers in Africa, I also want to lift up those in our community who are uh, devoting themselves to foster care. Uh, And what a wonderful ministry that is, Father. And I pray that you would strengthen these brothers and sisters uh, as their uh, task is daunting and it's critically important. And I pray that you would give them the ability to represent the Lord Jesus by the power of your Spirit and that you would draw others around them to support. Father, open your word today. And uh, we, we invite you to change who we are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're like me, you perhaps have a tendency to grow a little bit cynical about whether it's possible for certain people to change. Our choices... Uh, exhibit patterns of behavior we become predictable to those around us our personalities follow the wagon tracks laid out for us by our parents or maybe older siblings or past experiences and in a vicious cycle we tend to go back to the same vices we've struggled against for years and like i said if you're like me and you are an observer of human behavior you perhaps are tempted at times to think can anybody change But have you ever reconnected with somebody that you grew up with after a gap of eight or ten years? For me, because I've lived so many different places after graduating high school, that's happened several times. I've had that experience many times. A buddy from high school or junior high, someone I haven't seen since we were both very young, I come across them uh, for one reason or another, and those experiences are always kind of jarring. In a lot of cases, the guy is exactly who you think he would be. Just the same personality, the same character traits, the same flaws and features just maybe set in bolder relief. But in at least a few cases, I've been shocked to encounter a totally different person from the one that I remembered hanging out with all those years ago. Some of the most dramatic examples I can think of have to do with an experience in the U.S. military. Uh, Maybe you've seen the same dynamic at play. I think of two young men that I went to school with. They were a few years behind me. They... uh, When we were in school together, these guys were just about as worthless as you can imagine. A complete embarrassment to their parents. They were just morons. Everything that came out of their mouths was ridiculous. They were always getting in trouble and just a whisker away from getting beat up. After high school, even, I kept hearing about them bouncing from job to job, enrolling in school, and then dropping out, uh, running away anytime Things got a little bit tough. These guys burned every bridge in their life, every possible opportunity they squandered until finally they had nothing left, and together they decided that they were going to do the one thing that nobody expected them to do, join the Marines. I thought, man, our country is in bad shape. But then fast forward a few months. I was a volunteer at the time with our Awana Truth and Training Club, ministering to 5th and 6th grade boys, and the club director had invited these young men uh, immediately after basic training to come and speak to the boys in this, in this particular Awana club, and I thought, oh, man, this isn't going to go very well. Well, the next week arrives, and there they are. Between the two of them, about 60 pounds lighter, standing tall, hair cropped short, they looked me in the eye, shook my hand, yes sir, no sir, totally different. I could tell the boys were impressed and inspired by these newly minted specimens of masculinity. They had had a life-changing encounter, and you could tell that they were different as a result. Now, I never personally had the privilege of serving the U.S. military, but I've noticed that for a lot of the men who have, the impact of that experience never completely wears off. If you've served, maybe you can tell a little bit easier than I can, but sometimes you can just tell this person has been in the military. You can just tell. But if someone's had that experience, you can expect that that experience is going to have an impact on their life. There are some experiences that just change you. They they, uh, impact your life in such a way that everybody can see that you've had that experience. And my point in bringing that up is this. If you have Christ, the same thing happens. And a matter of fact, here's what the apostle wants to communicate to us today. He turns his attention toward the reality that those who believe in Jesus have had this life-changing experience because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And that's going to show up in the way that you act. That's going to look like something in Paul wants to help the Corinthian believers to help us to understand how to think about that reality. And so if I could just boil down the message of what this text is talking about, here it is. If you have Christ, you should expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. If you have Christ, if you're really a believer, if you're really born again, then you should expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. And it's in view of that fact that he essentially tells us to do two things. First of all, recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at both of those commands. And then in the third place, we'll consider the question of what happens when I don't see those things in my life. So notice with me in the first place, Paul's uh, enjoinder basically recognize the ministry of of the Holy Spirit. Paul begins by signaling that he's moving on to a new topic here at the beginning of chapter 12. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, that phrase kind of clues us into the fact that he's moving on to this new topic, the topic of spiritual things. The translators add the word gifts because as the later context is going to show, that's the specific type of spiritual thing that he's going to be talking about here in this passage. Apparently underneath the larger topic of the gathered worship of Christ's church, some of the Corinthians had written to Paul, perhaps to ask about this topic of spiritual gifts and and, and speaking in tongues in particular. And so that's going to be the main topic or at least the occasion for whatever Paul is talking about here in chapter 12, chapter 13, and at least the beginning of chapter 14. And he starts off by reminding the Corinthians that the Holy Spirit's ministry is altogether different from anything that they had experienced before they believed in Jesus. Before, he says, you were led astray to worship mute idols however you were led. I think what he's getting at is the reality that in Corinth, idol worship was a very multifaceted, experience-driven Uh, religious exercise. Ecstatic tantrums would have been very much part and parcel of pagan worship in the city of Corinth. Uh, The priests or the priestesses who were the most demonstrative were considered the most in tune with whatever spirit they were worshiping at the time. Uh, In other words, the super spiritual people in Corinth were the witch doctors or the oracles or the priests or priestesses who wore these weird clothes and acted kind of strange and, and seemed to kind of have this direct line of communication with the spirit world. I mean, these are people that would, uh, you'd come into the temple and they would kill a sheep and they would pull the liver out of the sheep and look at the liver and they would tell you whether or not you're going to have a good crop or not. I mean, religion in Corinth was like sensory overload. That's what they grew up in. That's what they were used to. And so when they became Christians, it would have made sense, apart from the instruction of the apostles, for the Corinthian believers to sort of take the assumptions that they grew up with and carry them into their Christian life and assume that the most spiritual people in God's church, just like in their pagan idol temple are the people who were the, one, the most out there and the most strange, the people who were acting out the most, so the people who were speaking in tongues and talking over everybody else, were perhaps considered the most spiritual, the most in tune with the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine the effect that that might have had in the church. People who had the gift of speaking in tongues may have been tempted to sort of steamroll everybody else, like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm speaking in tongues now, so whatever it is that you were saying in the middle of the hymn or in the middle of whatever's going on, in the middle of reading the Bible, I'm just going to start speaking in tongues. People who didn't have the gift of speaking in tongues may have been tempted, I think, to fake it, whipping up their emotions and the emotions of others and generally turn the worship service into a raucous and nonsensical affair that really, at the end of the day, just didn't build anyone up. And it's into this context that Paul sort of cuts through the confusion. And he says, okay, back then, you were led to serve these mute idols however you were led. But, but let me tell you something about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Nobody can say in the, in the Holy Spirit that Jesus is accursed. And uh, the only way that you can say Jesus is Lord is by the Holy Spirit. Here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying the ministry of the Holy Spirit isn't like the movements of the wicked spiritual powers. He isn't like the world. In fact, seeing the Holy Spirit at work is not a matter of ecstatic experience. It's a question of one's confession. In other words, what do you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer to that question is going to tell you whether the Holy Spirit is at work in your life or not. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. That is profound. Here's what Paul's saying. Uh, he's saying, by the way, I don't think he's, uh, he, he's the one that wrote those words, and I just read them, so I don't think he's speaking as though they're like magic words. Like, I just read that passage and said the words, Jesus is accursed. He's not talking about magic words, and if you say those magic words, then the Holy Spirit shows up or the Holy Spirit leaves. He's talking about what do you believe and what comes out of your mouth that shows what you believe in your heart. What is your confession? What's your profession of faith about Jesus? In antiquity, to say Jesus is Lord was the kind of thing that, quite frankly, could get you crucified because there was only one Lord in the Roman Empire. That was supposed to be Caesar. And so here are these Christians, and they're saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the king. Dangerous. You wouldn't do that lightly. They were exercising a profoundly countercultural faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about what that means in the local church today. Here's a guy who hates standing up in front of everybody. He doesn't want anyone looking at him. He barely sings the hymns. He stutters. He gets red in the face when anyone asks him to read a verse in a small group discussion. Is that a spiritual man? A lot of people would say no. A spiritual man is somebody who preaches and speaks in tongues and utters a prophetic word and gets all worked up and gathered worship. That's a spiritual man. But Paul says, listen, that's not the test of whether somebody has the Holy Spirit. The test is, what do they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? Because as Jesus said, uh, Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of John, I am going to send the Comforter, and he's going to teach you about me, and he's going to remind you of the things that I taught, and he's going to lead you to exalt me as I exalt the Father. That's what the Spirit's ministry is, and we've got to recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit to to make us worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a a woman who is uh, she loves to sing at the top of her lungs. She lifts her hands in worship. She volunteers to lead a ministry. She feels comfortable testifying in front of the church. Is that person a spiritual person? Well, maybe. But the question isn't what's their personality. The question isn't even what's their specific spiritual gift. The question is what do they believe about Jesus? If she lives by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then she is a spirit-led person. This is what Jesus told his disciples. And so uh, remember what Jesus has told his disciples. Jesus leaves, he sits down at the right hand of the Father, right on schedule. The Holy Spirit falls in power on his church. You remember this from Acts chapter two? Peter lifts up his voice and he begins to preach boldly about the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we know that the Holy Spirit is working in that moment? Yes, the tongues of flames of fire, the, the guy's speaking in tongues for sure. But here's how we really know. 3,000 were added to the church that day, and Christ was glorified. This is yet another reason why in the church of Jesus Christ we don't sort ourselves into super spiritual or normal or sub-Christian. It's just, is Christ Lord? If, If you're saying Christ is Lord, if you are living out that confession, then you are living in the power of the Holy Spirit because no one can do that apart from him. So in other words, before we can understand spiritual gifts, we need in the first place to recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first thing he does is to convict us of our need of Jesus Christ. This is the way that God is. God exalts the Trinity. The Holy Spirit exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I glorify my Father. The Father honors the Son. Jesus sends the Spirit. There is this mutual exaltation and sending and honoring within the Trinity, within God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so how do I know whether I'm being led by the Spirit? What do I say about the Son? That's what Paul says. Now, I realize in a room this size, we're all over the map in terms of our spiritual life and our background but whether or not the holy spirit is at work in your life boils down to this simple question do you believe in jesus as your lord and savior do you believe in jesus as your lord and savior that's it you say well yeah i believe that you can't say that except by the holy spirit that's what paul says in this passage You're experiencing the ministry of the Holy Spirit because there is no other name under heaven given among men by whom we must be saved. He is it. Are you a believer in Jesus? And there are those of you here today who are fretting over your relationship with God and you're feeling like God is distant and you're feeling like you don't measure up because you don't have the same type of experience or emotional kind of temperament as the next guy. And I'm telling you, don't do that. Simply ask yourself, do I believe in Jesus christ do i believe he died for me and rose again am i trusting in the work of christ to save me or am i trusting in something else and if you can answer yes jesus is my savior jesus is my lord then just know confused though you may get the holy spirit is present in your life he's working powerfully don't doubt it And that leads us to our second instruction. Not only must we recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we must receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In verses 4 through 11, Paul anticipates a question. The Corinthians might have wondered, okay, assuming for the sake of the argument, Paul, that that's true, and whoever confesses Jesus is Lord, whoever believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, has the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then explain to me why is it that this person exhibits one set of spiritual manifestations and this other person exhibits a whole different set of of manifestations of the Holy Spirit? How can it be the same spirit if it looks different depending on who it is that you're talking about? And Paul says, okay, That's what I want to get into in verses 4 and following. So he does. And the explanation for that is is actually going to take up the rest of the chapter. But for now, notice what he says. In verse 4 and following, he says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Now that word, Lord, that's a word that Paul typically uses to refer to Jesus, right? Right? And then he goes on, he says, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So don't miss this, same spirit, same Lord, same God. What does he mean? He means simply the spirit, the son, and the father. In other words, here's the first thing you need to know about spiritual gifts in the church. Spiritual gifts, the gifts of the spirit of God reflect the nature of God. Spiritual gifts reflect the nature of God, specifically the threeness and oneness of God. Think about it. How many gods are there? I'll just ask you, make sure that you're awake, okay? How many gods are there? there? There's one God, right? But he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity is fully God complete in himself, bearing all the attributes of God. And yet the Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit. They are not interchangeable. There's this mystery around that. There's threeness, and then there's oneness. And that's analogous, at least in a sense, with the way that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts in the church. We all live in the power of one Holy Spirit, but that same Spirit distributes diversities of gifts, varieties of gifts. So the way that it looks in my life versus the way that it looks in your life might be a little bit different because this is the way that God works. It's one spirit, but he distributes the manifestation of the spirit uh, in, in a variety of ways depending on the individual. That's based in God's nature. God is three, God is one, and, and, and the variety of gifts in the one body of Christ operates in, some, in a similar way. But notice as well, The manifestation of the Spirit, not only is it based in God's nature, uh, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of God's plan. It's a fulfillment of God's plan. These are the gifts of the Spirit. But why are the Corinthians experiencing them? Did they just come out of nowhere like, here's the gospel, it's being preached? Oh, cool, speaking in tongues. Cool, prophecy. Cool, miracles of healing. Uh, This is amazing. Did it just come out of nowhere, or were there some expectation that that believers ought to have had who who know the Scriptures about what God has been doing in the world? And what I want to say is that these gifts are actually a fulfillment of a plan set out long ago. Consider uh, the passage that Serena read earlier in the service, Moses' desire in Numbers chapter 11, that all of God's people would be prophets and manifest the Holy Spirit. Uh, that prayer, that desire comes from the Lord. Moses is saying, I want all of God's people to experience the Holy Spirit. Then you fast forward to the time of the prophets. Think about what Ezekiel and Jeremiah have said, that, that in the last days, that That God's gonna take the Holy, He's gonna send the Holy Spirit and write His law on our hearts. It's not just gonna be on tablets of stone, it's gonna be written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And then the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, in in the midst of a really dark time in Israel's history, he he prophesies and he says, In the last days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it's it's gonna go to the super spiritual people only, right? No. I'm gonna pour it out on all flesh and the, the old men are gonna dream dreams and your sons and your daughters are gonna prophesy. Like all of God's people are going to experience the fullness of God's spirit. And then this is exactly what happens in, in, in uh, Acts chapter two. Jesus comes, he promises uh, that he's going to uh, pour out the spirit. He's gonna send the spirit when he leaves and, and the disciples are there. They're sitting in Jerusalem in a locked room and they're just waiting. And all of a sudden, the Spirit falls on the people of God. And the church experiences the Spirit of God like no other. And and the gifts of the Spirit are poured out on the church. The gifts of the Spirit are part of God's plan. They're a fulfillment of the plan of God. And here's, here's why that's practically important. Here's why that's important for us today. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is evidence that we... God's people are standing at the edge of eternity. That we are standing sort of on the seams of time that the old is done away with and that the new is breaking into the present. That we are right on the verge of the kingdom of God. So much so that actually Jesus rose from the dead. So much so that Jesus went up to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's already defeated Satan at the cross And it's like it could happen at any moment that he ushers in the kingdom, that he returns, that he welcomes us to be in his presence. We are living at the edge of eternity. We are living on the seams of time, the seam between death and condemnation and life and glory. So the church is a community of pilgrims whose passports say citizen of heaven, but we're living as pilgrims on the earth. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit, But we live in a world that lies under the power of the evil one. That is so important for us to remember because the gifts of the Holy Spirit come to God's church to equip us for this time when we live in between, when we live with the reality that Christ is risen from the dead, but we aren't yet. And and, and what, what the gifts of the Spirit remind us of is that Christ hasn't left us alone in this time period, that he did what he promised to do that he sent the comforter and he said, it's better for you that I go away because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's not just gonna be with you bodily, he's going to be in you and and so I'm I'm gonna be in my church, I'm gonna be with my church and I'm going to equip you for this time. We don't belong to this world, we don't belong to this age and the greater our awareness of the manifestation of the Spirit in our church, the easier it will be to remember that. The manifestation of the Spirit is grounded in the nature of God. It's a fulfillment of God's plan. You say, okay, that sounds awesome, but what does it actually look like? Well, notice how he describes spiritual gifts in verses 4 through 6. I know we like to get into the specific examples of gifts, and we'll get to that in a moment. But don't skip over what he says in verses 4 through 6. Gifts... Notice, in fact, get a pen out and and underline these words. Gifts, uh, service, activities. Don't skip over that. Here's how I put this so you can remember it. Spiritual gifts involve abilities, assignments, and energies. Abilities, assignments, and energies. Let me illustrate what I mean. Uh, Kenneth Bailey, a commentator, uh, puts it this way. He says, basically, imagine you want to do something like a, a simple household chore. You really need three things. You need a tool. You need a task. And then you need the energy to actually fulfill the task. So, for example, if somebody says sweep, sweep the floor, well, I need a broom. I need to know where you want me to sweep, like give me the specifics of the assignment. And then I need some physical energy to actually get that broom and pick it up and move it back and forth until I've swept the room. I need a, a, an ability, an assignment, and the energy. And that's what the gifts of, of the Spirit are. And, and uh, this, they're sort of like tools or skills or abilities or capacities, on the one hand. They're sort of like assignments or burdens or tasks or projects they're sort of like power or energy to do what God has called us to do. All three of these things are present in spiritual gifts. And I think this is one of the reason we get one of the reasons we get confused about spiritual gifts because we only see them as supernatural abilities. Uh, but if God the Holy Spirit puts a burden in your heart, for a certain ministry, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. If God the Holy Spirit gives you the power to endure hardship and difficulty for the sake of the gospel, that is a spiritual gift too. Abilities, yes. Assignments, energies. And he lists some examples of this in verses 8 through 11. Uh, Now, the wording of these verses suggests Uh, that there's actually an organization to this list. It's hard to see in in English, but it's certainly there in the original language. Uh, But notice that the Corinthians were tempted to boast about the first two gifts. We see this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. They were boasting about their knowledge and their wisdom. And it's true, Paul says, that the Spirit gives these gifts of knowledge and wisdom to his church. They were also tempted to boast and bicker and argue about the last two gifts. Uh, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And uh, we'll see more about that when we get to chapter 14. Uh, but perhaps they've been tempted to ignore those five gifts in the middle. Uh, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, and discernment. It's as if Paul is subtly reminding them, listen, you have these gifts, and and maybe you're ignoring these gifts here in the middle, but you do not have the exclusive uh uh, understanding of spiritual gifts, God's doing more than you see. He's working in ways you aren't always paying attention to. There's another important feature of this list, and it's that it is not an exhaustive list. it is a representative list. It's not exhaustive, it 's representative. You say, how do we know that? Well we know that because when Paul talks about spiritual gifts in other places, he doesn't use the same he doesn't mention the same examples. He mentions different examples. So I think it's safe to say that there are quite a lot of abilities, assignments, and energies that the Holy Spirit grants to believers for the building up of the body. So for that reason, I I think it's really beyond the scope of this sermon to do a too deep of a dive into the meaning of each of these gifts. Uh, There's certainly a mix of what we might call supernatural and uh, more pedestrian or, or normal gifts Uh, Although the line between supernatural and natural is something that we kind of create in our own mind, it's not really there in the Bible. The Corinthians, uh, they did live in a different age, uh, an age in which the apostles were laying a foundation for the church, and that does make a difference. Uh, The needs were different than they are right now. We'll get into that more in the next three or four weeks, but I think it would be a huge mistake and totally unwarranted if we were to conclude that anything in these spiritual gift lists that seem kind of miraculous or powerful or otherworldly are things that are belonging only to the New Testament age and don't appear in in today's world, I think that would be a big mistake. No, uh, Paul calls them the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in verse 7. So they're going to be things that we cannot explain any other way. So just to get really practical... If you're walking with Christ, you are going to experience the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in one way or another. Maybe it's going to be in a way that you can tie directly to something in this list. Maybe it's going to be in some other way. But you're going to experience a manifestation of the Holy Spirit if you're walking with Christ. You can expect to see the Holy Spirit show up in your life if you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's an experience of miraculous healing or something like that. Maybe it's something like this word of wisdom. Maybe it's discerning spirits. Maybe it's something that's in some of these other lists, or maybe it's something different altogether. But you will see the Holy Spirit work in your life in a way that is unmistakable, that you uh, you can attribute to only the Holy Spirit of God. What I'm saying is, if you're walking with Jesus, you're going to experience things that don't really make sense unless you take into account that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God living in the kingdom of the world. You're going to experience things that don't make sense unless you take into account that the same spirit who presided over creation is present in your life to powerfully use you and have fellowship with you. You're going to experience things that don't make sense unless you recognize that God is already beginning to fulfill his plan in the present in preparation for the day when Christ returns and receives us to himself and we will be forever with the Lord. Now, I would love to be able to just line out for you all the different ways that the Holy Spirit does this and make it really clear so that you can have a comprehensive understanding like an encyclopedia in your mind of all the ways that the Holy Spirit works. But God obviously values you having an actual relationship with the Holy Spirit and for, for him to show up in ways that we don't always expect and are, are difficult to describe. Some of you have given me examples of this. Uh, you've experienced healings that you know are a gift from God. You've woken up in the middle of the night with a powerful burden to pray for somebody and you found out later that that person was in that moment doing spiritual battle. That's, a, I believe, a gift of the Holy Spirit. You've had an undeniable sense of duty to share the gospel with a stranger and God used you in that person's life in ways that you could not have expected or anticipated on your own. That was the right time. You've received an inexplicable intuition that led you to press in to the spiritual influences in a brother or sister's life. Hey, I just feel like I need to ask you a question and I wonder if maybe that's coming from the Holy Spirit. You've received a communication, yes, in a dream, that you know is not just a normal dream. I believe many of those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, by the way, I know that's going to bring a lot of questions in some of your minds. We'll get into those in the next few weeks. We're not going to answer every question today. But I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit manifests himself in these powerful ways, and it's different for every believer for a reason. But it's the same Spirit. He gives you abilities you can't otherwise explain. He lays a ministry burden on your heart that you can't otherwise explain. He gives you the power and the the, the energy to endure hardship. And you can't explain it any other way but that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you in your life. And it's one of God's amazing, gracious ways that he shows that we are living in the last days, that the time to serve the Lord is now, that the Spirit is working to draw men to himself now, that it's time to wake up and rejoice in Christ and say no to the pool of the temptations of the world and to confidently give our everything and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. And what I'm saying is that if you're walking with Christ, don't be surprised by the powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you have Christ, you can expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Now, Paul is nowhere near finished making his point. At the end of verse eleven, he's going to continue from verse twelve all the way to the, at least the middle of chapter fourteen. And by the way, Satan is aware of all the workings of, or many of the workings of the Spirit and he loves to counterfeit the work of the Spirit. We need to be vigilant and make sure that we're confessing Christ is Lord. But before we get into the, the rest of this chapter, we're going to save that for next week, I want to ask this question. If it's true that believing in the Lord Jesus Christ means that the Holy Spirit is ministering to me, and I ought to see that in my life, like, like I should see the Holy Spirit at work in my life. If that's true, then why is it that I'm sitting here at Indian Creek Baptist Church in the middle of September and I cannot see the spirit of work in my life today. Why would that be? So briefly, uh, I want to just acknowledge that there are many people sitting in this room and you're thinking that. And so I want to answer that question and offer up just a few possible reasons why that might be. And first of all, I've already underscored this, but let me underscore it again. Maybe you haven't seen the Spirit at work in your life because you are not born again. Do you remember in John chapter three when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, and he says, If you are not born again, you're not going to see the excuse me, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. In other words, what he was saying is, if there isn't a transformation that takes place, like of new life in your heart, If you are not transformed by the Holy Spirit of God from unbeliever to believer in me, then you will not see the kingdom of God. And so I cannot emphasize enough the importance of making sure and knowing for sure that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask yourself seriously. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks, don't worry about what you grew up believing. Just ask yourself do I believe today Christ is Lord? Christ is Savior. He died for me and rose again. If you're not seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's possible that you need Jesus, and you need to become a believer in Jesus Christ today. But maybe you are a believer, and you're not seeing this, and so what, what are the possibilities? Here's uh, one possibility. Uh, let's just acknowledge that this topic is confusing for many people. And you may be experiencing the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, but you just don't realize it because you need to grow in your understanding. And of course, you need to, you need to, uh, we need to study God's word. That's what we're doing and we'll be doing over the next three or four weeks. That's okay. Paul, remember how he started out this whole conversation? He said, I want you to know. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I want you to understand spiritual gifts. So we're going to study the scripture about these things over the next few weeks. But The other thing that I would want to say about this is that this is a culture issue in the church just as much as anything else. In other words, are we used to, in the church of Jesus Christ, are we used to observing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life and going to them and telling them and encouraging them and saying, I see evidence of God working through you in this way. Like, you connected with those kids powerfully the other day. And when you explained the scripture, when you explained the gospel, I think they got it. And I think God, the Holy Spirit used you to connect with those kids and to call them to repentance and believing in the, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was working through you. Or, hey, uh, what you're facing is not just a normal trial, like the fact that you have the power to enjoy God in the middle of that trial and have the peace of the Holy Spirit, I think that's God the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you've encouraged me. You've strengthened my faith. God is using you. In other words, what I'm saying is, do we as a church have the habit, do we as individuals have the habit of observing the Holy Spirit at work in other believers' lives and calling that out and pointing it out and saying, hey, I'm encouraged by what the Holy Spirit's doing in and through you. By the way, this is really the best way to grow in your understanding of the Spirit's gifts in your own life. Uh, I know sometimes we uh, are given these spiritual gift inventory tests, and those have a place, they have some value, but there's really nothing better than getting into the mix with God's people, serving Christ, seeing the need, and just going and meeting the need, and then allowing God's people to come to us and say, hey, I see God at work in your life in this specific way. Why aren't we seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's just because we need to grow in our understanding. That's a possibility. But here's a second one. Maybe it's because we're not living as a part of the body of Christ. Maybe it's because we aren't living as a part of the body of Christ. Uh, If you read on in this chapter, you'll see where Paul's going with this discussion of spiritual gifts. He says, you're like the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And, and the ear needs the mouth and, and the mouth needs the feet and the hands and, and like we all need to be together. And so the way that this, the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to function is if we're part of the body. And so if you're not living as part of the body, you may not be seeing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the way that God intended because he's given you those spiritual gifts to build up the body. Be a part of the local church. A brick or a boulder isn't very useful lying in a field. It's useful when it becomes a part of the wall of a great temple. And we believers are little different. Why aren't we seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Maybe because we need to grow in our understanding. Maybe it's because we aren't living as part of the body of Christ. But then in the third place, and this is something I'd really ask you to to search your heart about. Maybe we're not seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit because our hearts are captured by present things instead of eternal things. Because our hearts are captured by present things instead of eternal things. Maybe we've indulged in the love of the world. Remember what I said. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a fulfillment of God's plan. They are designed to, be op- to, to work in operation in a church that is living at the edge of eternity, on the seams of time. They're given to the church so that we would seek the things above and not the things that are on the earth. So that we would love the Father and not love the world. And, and so, what that means is that, you know, Jesus is alive, the man who died under a curse, the man who uh, bore our sins. That man rose from the dead, and that means that we're living in the last days. That means the work of salvation is already accomplished. It's already done. It's already completed. Jesus finishes the job. He sits down at the right hand of the Father, and then he sends the Spirit. And so we have this—we have just this one short life, this one momentary life. It's just like a breath. It's like a vapor. It's like a flower that rises up and then withers away. Like we've just got a little bit of time. And so... We, we have this one short moment, and if we're focused on the here and now, if we're focused on the present things instead of eternal things, then it's going to be very difficult for us to see the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When we're fo- so focused on the bank account, on the house, on getting the degree, on who's dating who, on what we're driving, on the next vacation or the next season of some silly TV show, then it's no wonder that we fail to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, don't you long to see the Holy Spirit fall in his fullness on our church? Don't you want to see his unmistakable power in your personal life, and your family life? Don't you think that's better than buying a new outfit or buying a new rifle or winning a medal, don't you believe the word of God? Then, friends, believers, we need to give ourselves to this. We need to be all in. We need to say the things of this present, they fade into the background in my vision. I'm looking at the things above. We need to set our affection on heavenly things. You've got to say, I want it. I want the ability of the Holy Spirit I want the the ability that Holy Spirit desires to give me so I might have the tools to serve him. I want the assignment. I want the ministry burden. Like I welcome whatever it is that God's going to lay on my heart to be burdened about in his church or in in this community so that I can serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to have the energy to say no to sin and yes to him. I want to have the power to endure hardship like a soldier of Jesus Christ so that I can serve his body. And if that's what we really want, if we're really ready for the Holy Spirit, then the key is to live like Christ is Lord, to become a part of Christ's body, to stop loving the world. Because if you have Christ, then you can mark it down. You should expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Would you pray with me now? Father, we want to see the Holy Spirit at work. We long to see the Holy Spirit at work. And so, Father, in this moment, we confess That the world, with all of its enticements, with all of its priorities, has been looming a little too large in our vision. We've been enamored with the love of the world, with the things of this life, with the present things. We've set our affections on the things below, not on the things in heaven. We've been focused on the things which are seen, not the things which are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal. So, Father, we ask that you would forgive us and set us back on the right path. Lord, we want to see the Holy Spirit at work in, in, in all the ways that you desire for us, Lord, whether they're things that fit into our box or things that don't. And we want to live as though Christ is Lord. Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us as individuals and as a church family to lean in to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to observe the way that you're working in one another so that we might encourage each other in the use of our spiritual gifts. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.